Hilchah Shabbos, Perik Shishi, Halacha Aleph. In this Perik, the Ramam discusses the prohibition of asking a non-Jew to do something for you on Shabbos, which is otherwise forbidden. Also, it's forbidden to ask a Gentile to do a Malacha for us on Shabbos, even though a Gentile has no obligation to keep Shabbos. Even though you told him before Shabbos, to do it. So you told them before Shabbos, tonight at midnight, water my grass. Even though you don't need that malacha per se to be done after Shabbos. You tell them before Shabbos, tonight at midnight, uh, uh, cook me a steak and I'll eat it after Shabbos. That this is a rabbinic prohibition. If you're allowed to tell a non-Jew, do anything for you on Shabbos, then the whole idea of Shabbos is going to become frivolous to you and you're going to end up doing a malacha by yourself on your own. Therefore, it's prohibited to ask a guy to do it for you. Base not just a malacha b'atzim b'shabbos. A guy who does a malacha for you on Shabbos voluntarily, you did not ask him. In b'shvila, I saw also I saw if he did it for the Jew. Also, then it's based on malacha ad matzah shabbos. You now let it benefit from that malacha till after Shabbos. Yanchem b'mish teyasa. You have to wait until that takes him out of time for the malacha to happen. So that, in other words, if a guy uh, um, cooks food, if a guy um, well cooks food for you on Shabbos, is not a good example because that's that's anyways forbidden. But if a non-Jew um, uh, let's see, as a good example, if a non-Jew carries something for you in a public domain from far away on Shabbos and takes him half an hour, and he he brought it to you, let's say as as a gift, for example, you have to wait a half an hour till after Shabbos is over, even though you didn't, even you did not ask him. The provided the matter is not publicized, uh, to the point that people, the, it's, it's public knowledge in the Jewish community, this thing was done for the person, for this person on Shabbos. Um, so uh, that's when we say that if it's not public knowledge, you're allowed to use it after Shabbos, after waiting the time it took the person to do the malacha. So this way you don't end up benefiting from, from the, the time you saved, so to speak. You're not going to come to ask him in the future. However, if the, Jew, if the Gentile did it on, for his own benefit, then you may benefit from it on Shabbos. For example, a Gentile lights a lamp on Shabbos. A Jewish person is allowed to benefit from the light on Shabbos. That's not Gentile lit the lamp for his own benefit to be able to read. So then the Jewish person is allowed to enter that room and read as well. If, however, or not reading, perhaps a different malacha, just to look at something. Also, if, however, that he did it for the Jewish person, the guy sees a Jewish person sitting in the dark and he turned on the light for him, then it's forbidden to benefit from that light. Also, if a Jew, Gentile and a Jew, both the ship they're on docked on Shabbos, and the Gentile... Uh, made a ramp to be able to go down from the from the boat on Shabbos. Yisrael, you, you can follow him afterwards because the Gentile did it for himself, and once he did it, he's gonna leave it there. <clears throat> so the Yid can follow it. However, the, Jew, the, the guy did it for the Yid. Then also, it's forbidden to benefit from it on Shabbos to go, to go on the ramp on Shabbos because you're benefiting from Malacha. A guy did on Shabbos for you. Maybe my If a Gentile puts uh, a guy draws water. For his animal, and in doing so, he does the malacha of carrying from a public domain to a private domain, or, or carries four amas in the in the bishus rabim. Mashke yisachar yisrael, the Jew, the the yid is allowed to have his animal drink from the water as well. If, however, he specifically drew the water for the Jewish person, then also it's forbidden. If a guy collects grass and picks the grass on Shabbos. Which is forbidden, of course, and to feed his animal. And the Jew is allowed to let his animal eat from the grass. 
that this example assumes that the guy does not know about the Jewish person. It's only after the guy picks or draws water or carries or, or, or picks grass on Shabbos for his animal, the Jewish person comes along and the Gentile lets him have his animal eat from it as well. Because if the, if the guy does know about the Jewish person, maybe we're worried he's going to draw extra water or carry or pick extra grass for the yid. Bishvilo, comes out, he's actually doing a malacha for the Jewish person. In that, in that example, you're not allowed to benefit from the malacha. Anything which is possible for the Jewish for the, for the guy to do more of it for the Jewish for the Jewish person, so to pick more grass, to carry more water, you're not allowed to let your animal benefit from it on Shabbos, even though the guy essentially did it for himself, not for you. Unless he doesn't know about the Jewish person, because we're worried that he, even though he, he picked, he drew, he drew water, picked grass for his own animal, maybe he picked extra grass or drew extra water for the Jewish person, in which case, you're not allowed to use the, use the, uh, the grass or the, or the water on Shabbos. Halacha Dalit. Avo, however, Davish ain't by the harvest matki. If it's something which is not possible for the Jewish for the guy to do it more or less based on who he anticipates helping, you're going there. For example, to light, to light a light candle. If the guy lights one candle, then we're not worried he's going to do anything else. For the for the uh, he lights one candle for the room. It turns on light in the room. For example, it's irrelevant how many people in the room lights one one candle for the room. I'm talking about a case where the room is small and there's no reason to assume he's going to light another candle closer to where the Jewish. The kevest or a ramp, for example, since the guy did the malacha for himself, then the Jewish person can benefit from it afterwards, after him. Even though he knows about it. So the guy wants to make a ramp to from the, from the, from the, uh, from the ship. He's going to make a ramp. It's not going to change how he's going to do it. If he knows the Jewish person is going to follow him afterwards, it's irrelevant. He's going to make a ramp. It's, it's all the same. Apparently, I'm not worried. It seems that he's going to make the ramp bigger, stronger, or something, because there's a person following it, following it, following him after afterwards. The ramp is going to be the same regardless. If a candle is lit by a gathering on Shabbos by a goy, so now can you benefit from the candle? Did the goy light it for the Jewish participants or the non-Jewish participants? So if the majority of the people there are Jewish, you may not use its light because the person lighting it is lighting it for the majority. If the majority are goyim, you may use the light. If it's half and half, usher, then it's forbidden. Nafled leka b'shabbos if a fire breaks out on Shabbos. Abanach l'chabbos and a guy comes to extinguish the fire. And aim le l'chabbi v'atikabbi. Don't tell him extinguish it. Don't extinguish it. Because we're not obligated to make the guy rest on Shabbos. Same thing applies in all the same situations. So if a guy comes to put it out, you don't have to stop him. Halacha hey. Um, a, a, a Jewish person died, let's say an old person in a nursing home, and the guy who ran the nursing home made, uh, they, they, made a, they constructed a coffin for him on Shabbos and they dug a grave for him on Shabbos. Or they brought flutes to, to play at the uh, uh, eulogy. If they brought it brought it for this for this specific deceased person, they did it discreetly. No one knew about it. You have to wait the amount of time after Shabbos that it would take them to do all these activities. Had they waited until after Shabbos ended, be covered by then he may be buried in that grave or in that coffin. Because by waiting by waiting the time, let's say it takes them an hour to do the whole thing, you wait an hour till after Shabbos. That the time it takes an hour it takes an hour to dig a grave or an hour to make a coffin. You wait an hour. You have not benefited from the time that was from the malacha that was done on Shabbos. And he can be buried in there. However, if the the grave was done in a large public square, the arin agabov and the 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 coffin is there on top of the in, in the public square. Um, 
and all the people passing say that they know that this that the going on Shabbos who are doing digging this grave or making this urn on Shabbos is for this deceased person. That Jewish person specifically may never be buried there forever. Because it's in public and it's considered a disgrace for the, for, the, for the deceased person that everyone knows that he was buried in a uh, 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 a grave and a coffin that were constructed on Shabbos. But a different Jewish person, not that individual, may be buried there. If someone else passed away that day, for example, he could be buried there instead, provided that the time that it takes to do the malacha is waited until after Shabbos, uh, is waited after Shabbos ends. And the same thing applies in all similar situations. If a non-Jewish person brings flute on Shabbos for the deceased to eulogize him, and back then the, the custom was to have an eulogy and play all kinds of mournful music, even though we know he, he brought them from just outside the city walls, they, they, they didn't travel a long distance, um, uh, but they were they were carried, however, in, in a public domain, so the prohibition of carrying on Shabbos was done uh, so to speak, by the guy for the sake of the Jew. Then, since the uh, biblical malacha happened, uh, uh, so you have to wait till after Shabbos, the amount of time it would take in theory to bring those flutes from a close place, which presumably means the amount of time it takes to walk the tchum, which is 2,000 cubits. Then after, you wait, you wait that amount of time, um, uh, you may then use them for the eulogy. Because we're worried, perhaps um, the night before, on Friday night, the guy brought them from far away. And then he'll be on Shabbos day in the morning. That's when he brought it from just outside the city into the city. But really, they came from much further. Therefore, we have to wait. We have to wait. The amount of time, uh, we make a general assumption that it came from outside the Tchum of 2,000 Amis. When, when you wait after Shabbos ends, the amount of time it takes to walk 2,000 Amis, and then you use them afterwards. Now, that's assuming you don't know the exact location where they came from. If you know for sure they came from a specific location, the Shabbos on Shabbos, then you wait the amount of time it takes to walk from that location to where we presently are on Shabbos, which may be maybe less or more than 2,000 Amis. So it can be to the advantage or disadvantage. This all assumes that the matter was did not happen in a very public, in a public square in a in a, in a in a in a in a in a public setting. If it did, again, then you may not use those flutes for that uh, Jewish person as a eulogy because it's a disgrace for the dead person to be eulogized with flutes that were brought as an act of chilul Shabbos. In other words, even though it's done by a guy, it's not chilul Shabbos mamish, but it's a rabbinic chilul Shabbos. Zayin. A city that has Jews and Gentiles living in it. And there was a bathhouse that was open on Shabbos where people bathed. So can you use it much of Shabbos right away? The guy, he heated the, the water on Shabbos. So if the majority of the city inhabitants, or excuse me, the majority of the people who used that bathhouse then you can use it after Shabbos immediately. If the majority of our Jews, if the amount of time it takes to heat the water up, had the guy begun the process after Shabbos. Because again, the assumption is the guy does the action of heating water for the sake of the majority. You still have to wait the amount of time that it takes to heat the water. applies in all situations. So you may only use the water immediately after Shabbos if the majority are guy. Yisrael, yes. A guy tells a, a guy 
to do this malachah from on Shabbos, even even though he transgressed, to makris to makris malachah, and he gets rabbinic lashes. You may benefit from that malachah after Shabbos is over. Once you wait the amount of time it takes to do that malachah, so. Um, so, and there, what is the reason why Chazal said you have to wait till after Shabbos? The amount of time it would take that malacha to be done after Shabbos. In other words, if it takes a guy an hour to do the malacha, instead of being able to benefit from it as soon as Shabbos ends, you must wait an hour after Shabbos. If you tell, if you if you say that Jews allowed to benefit from the malacha after Shabbos right away, even though he cannot use it on Shabbos, but you're saying he can do it after Shabbos immediately. Maybe he's going to tell the guy to do the malacha on Shabbos, even though he can't use it on Shabbos. The thing is, immediately prepared. So, for example, tell the Go on Shabbos morning to wash your laundry. So as soon as Shabbos ends, you have clean clothes. But if we tell you that that, that um, even even they can't use it on Shabbos, we have the clean clothes after Shabbos. If we tell you that it takes a guy an hour to do the laundry, you have to wait till an hour after Shabbos. You're not going to tell the guy to do it for you on Shabbos because anyways you're not benefiting from, from it from an hour. So you might as well wait till after Shabbos and tell the guy then. And this way you're not going to transgress the prohibition of telling a guy to work for you on Shabbos. The chimish also has yam uh, once we, have, we forbid the person to uh, uh, to use it until he waits the time it takes to do the malacha, he's not going to tell the guy to do it for him. He's not benefiting benefiting at all from telling the guy to do it on Shabbos. Because he has to wait anyways for the evening. The amount of time it takes to do it. This malacha which has been done on Shabbos. Halacha test. Something which is not prohibited on Shabbos from the Torah, it's only prohibited rabbinically. A yid is allowed to tell a goy to do it from on Shabbos under certain circumstances. For who provides? The person, for example, is ill, even though he's not deathly ill. Or there's a great necessity, or for the sake of the mitzvah. You at Ketar, what's an example of this where you can tell a goy to do a Isra Bonner for you? A yid may tell a goy on Shabbos to go up to climb a tree or to swim across uh, on water, which are rabbinic prohibitions. To bring him a shafer to blow on a shoshana. This is an example of Yom Tif, not Shabbos, but same uh, same uh, situation, the um, same principle. Or a knife to do meal on Shabbos. Or, for example, to carry between courtyards which have no erev. To wash a a uh, child who is not who is not well, a star or a person who is who is in pain. Similar situations apply where you're telling a non Jew to do a rabbinic prohibition for this kind of necessities. Yudalf. More on this topic. A person who buys a house from a Jewish person. Excuse me, a person who buys a house and it's a swell from a non Jewish person. So you're buying a house uh, from an Arab uh, in somewhere in Israel or any other Gentile. You can tell the goy to write the contract up on Shabbos. Because telling a goy to write on Shabbos is a rabbinic prohibition. So even though in here, the, what you're telling the goy to do is writing. Writing is a biblical malacha. Now, even though it's a biblical malacha, in this situation, you're telling the goy to do a, a biblical pro, what, what would otherwise be a biblical prohibition. It's still, it's still, it's, it's permitted, even though it's not like we said in the previous halacha. It's not rabbinic. It's biblical. It's still, it's permitted. Um, because the general principle of telling a goy not to do, do malacha on Shabbos is rabbinic. 
even if the actual thing he's doing is biblical like writing, this is an example where because of the purpose of settling here to so much Jewish people, the prohibition is lifted. If someone buys a house from a Gentile in Syria, which is the land adjacent to Eretz Yisrael, which has a rabbinic status of Eretz Yisrael in a certain respect, Syria has the status of Eretz Yisrael regarding this matter. So uh, one person can tell a guy to do a rabbinic prohibition, uh, like swimming on uh, across a lake or climbing a tree for certain purposes, in terms of Yeshua, it's Israel. You can even tell a guy to do a biblical prohibition like writing. Good base. Dom now goes into talking about business on Shabbos and, 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 uh, and how, how you can uh, interact with the guy. A person can make a, a contract uh, with a guy for a, a, a malacha. The guy is dumb and he establishes a price. And the guy does on his own. Even though he does on Shabbos, it is permitted. We'll see more examples of this in more detail. But let's say, for example, basically, uh, just theoretically speaking, if a person um, hires a guy, uh, a person owns a field out in the outskirts, of, uh, in, you know, in the middle of nowhere, he hires a guy to mow it, mow, mow it, uh, you know, whenever he, uh, you know, whenever he can, whenever the grass gets above one foot tall, so the guy goes at his convenience and mows the lawn, and uh, every year he gets a salary for doing that. Uh, he goes, he goes, he goes whenever he wants and mows the lawn. The guy gets paid once a year, for example. So that is permitted, even though, even though the guy might choose to go on Saturday on on, uh, on Shabbos. Um, even though the guy is doing on Shabbos, it will be permitted. The person who hires a guy for multiple days, even it's permitted for the guy to do the work, even though the guy may end up doing the Lach on Shabbos, as long as he does not tell him to specifically to do it on Shabbos. Case of example. Okay, so now I'm going to go into examples. Okay. A person hires a guy for a year or two to be his official scribe. He has to be on call whenever the Yid has an important document to write. This educated guy who knows how to write well and has good handwriting and knows that language, whatever it is, or he should weave a garment for him, uh, you know, a certain amount of garments per year, whatever it is. Sorry, it's a case of it with Shabbos. The, the, the guy... Uh, who has to, you know, has, knows he has to do, has to, has to copy this book. He, the guy, he hires the guy um, for a year to copy uh, a book for him. Um, but it's not by the job, it's by the time. He doesn't tell him, I'm going to pay you for the book. I'm going to pay you for the year, a year was worth of copying of this encyclopedia by hand. So, so in this case... Um, the the guy is allowed to write or 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 weave on Shabbos. What I feel excuse me. He's allowed to write the whole year any Shabbos he wants or uh, weave the garment. As if weave a garment. It's as, it's permitted just like it can be permitted. If he told the guy, I'm paying you a thousand dollars to copy this book by hand and have it done. You know, whenever you finish, I'll pay you. Um, so so just like that case, the guy can choose to do whatever he wants. The sooner he finishes it, the sooner he gets paid. So the guy chooses to do it on Shabbos, not your problem. Or weave the garment's not your problem. You hire a tailor to make you a suit. The tailor can do work whatever he wants. So even in that, in this case, you didn't tell him I'm paying you for the book. I'm paying you for the year. Nevertheless, he's still allowed to do it when the, it's, it's, the guy still could do it on Shabbos. 
may do the malachon every time he at any moment he desires. Provided that the payment is not daily payment, if the payment is day by day, then then you're actually paying. It's like you're paying for Shabbos specifically, so then it's forbidden. Yud when this is applied, when this is all happening uh, secretly, the guy is uh, sitting in his house or even your house perhaps in the basement or whatever, and he's writing. No one knows that this guy is doing malachon Shabbos for a yid. Or uh, the tailor shop, he doesn't know for sure. That people walk by, they don't. They don't know whose suit he's making. If it was public knowledge and famously known, then it's forbidden. Because someone sees the guy sitting over there, uh, for example, in public, copying over the only known copy of this book from the, uh, you know, on behalf of this famous Jewish person who's a famous researcher, for example. And he's not going to know that the Yid made the deal with him in this fashion, that it was he's, pay, he's paying him for the whole job or for or just for the whole year. And person, people, people might say, People are going to think, they see the guy working on this book and he never knows it's being done for this year. They're going to think he's paying him by the day for, to, for working for him on Shabbos. Or, for example, if the Jewish person hired the, hired the tailor with this uh, very unique, rare material, and everyone knows that this Jewish person is the only person in the world or only person in this country has access to that unique silk, and they see the, the, the Gaisha tailor working on a suit, and it's obvious it's a Jewish garment, for example, everyone knows it's for this Jewish person. So then, again, we're worried he's going to, people are going to think he hired him on Shabbos, or excuse me, he hired him to work specifically on Shabbos, paying him by the day, in which case people are going to think you're doing for a, a prohibition, and because you're not allowed to give off the impression that you're doing something wrong, therefore it would be a problem, be forbidden. You doubt. The fichah, therefore, a person hires a guy to build his courtyard for him, or a wall, a construction, or to mow your lawn, or to, you know, to, in this case, actually means to you know, cut the wheat, or to harvest the field. But the same principle, you hire him for a year or two to build a courtyard for you, or to plant a vineyard. So either you're paying him by the job, or you're paying him for a whole year at one time. In any event, you're not paying him per se, for Shabbos specifically, or for, for each day specifically. Therefore, if the Malacha was in the uh, city, uh, or within the, the, the outer limits of the city, within the outskirts of the city, but close by to the city, also, you're not allowed to let the guy do it on Shabbos. The people are not going to know that he made a deal with him that it has to do by the day. So, for example, if you hire a guy, you tell him, here's $1,000, your responsibility is to make sure my lawn is mowed whenever the, the height gets above one foot. The guy comes on Shabbos to mow your lawn, because that's the day he has time to do it. You're not allowed to let him do it. People are going to think you hired him to do it on Shabbos. If, however, the malach was far outside the city, in that case, it's permitted. There's no one there who's going to see them working on Shabbos, and so no one's going to get the wrong impression. And because you're not paying him for the day, it's okay, and because nobody there to think you're paying about a day, there's no no one's gonna get the the wrong the wrong idea. Tesvav. A person is allowed to rent out his vineyard or his field to a guy. Even though the guy is going to plant or uh, plant seeds. Israel means planting seeds. Noita means the idea of planting trees. On Shabbos, the guy is, people are going to know that this is a rental or a sharecropping agreement. In other words, everyone understands if they walk past my orange orchard and they see the Goyish person picking the oranges or planting trees or whatever he's doing over there, it's a common thing everyone understands that you that you have a property like that. You, 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 you're rich enough to buy a property. You hire a, a, a poor farmer. He farms the land. You split the crop. And so no one get no one's gonna assume that you hired him specifically to do this work for you on Shabbos. It's common knowledge. Davishim is so If it's something, a business, 
or uh, that uh, everyone knows that the Jewish person is no, the, the famous owner of it. Uh, and it's not the common uh, practice to rent it out or to have a sharing agreement. Then also ask you the now rent it out to the guy, even though you're renting him for like you know the whole year, for example. The guy is going to use it on Shabbos and Malacha. While the the thing, for example, is going to be associated with the name of the Jewish owner. People are not going to know that you um, that you. Uh, have an agreement with this person, they're going to think because so 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 because it's not the common practice to rent it out for long periods of time, it's normally done by the day. So then, even though you went and did it for a whole year, or you hired him by a job, or you you, you made an agreement with him that you'll split the split the whatever he does with it. So technically speaking, it should be fine. But because people watching and get the wrong impression, that is forbidden. Test Zion. You're allowed to lend or rent your vessels to a guy. We're not obligated to let our, our, our vessels rest on Shabbos. So if non Jew wants to borrow your car, rent a car from you to go take a cross country trip, even though he's driving on Shabbos, it's okay. However, you're not allowed to let a lender rent him your animal or slave, because we have an obligation to make sure our animals and slaves rest on Shabbos. If he wants to borrow your donkey or your camel to take a trip on Shabbos, that would be a problem, because he's going to be using it on Shabbos to do malacha. You're dying. Um, trip, well, if you're sure if he wants to borrow it for like a, borrow your, 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 your camel, um, on Shabbos to plow his field, you bar- bar- or borrow your cow to plow his field, that's certainly a problem. Yudzayin. A person who enters a partnership, a business deal with a non-Jew, um, with a vi- some kind of uh, uh, labor, merchandise, or uh, or a store. If before they start the partnership, Right, right. They make they make they write the contract up, or they make a verbal agreement. That whatever money comes in as a result of work that's done on Shabbos in the store, or this business, uh, that's for the guy himself. No matter what, it, what, how much it is, or how little it is, and a different day of the week is for the Jewish person himself. So everything that comes in from Friday night till Saturday night is for the guy. Whatever comes in Saturday night till Sunday night is for the yid, or something like that. Mutter, that in that case, it's fine. If they didn't make the deal in the, at the outset, they make the deal and after they enter the partnership, the realizes he made a it's a problem with that Shabbos. when they come to split the money, the guy takes the money from Shabbos by himself. The rest they have to divide 50-50. The yid can't come along now and say, "Well, oh, you know what? You now we're dividing the money." I realize there's a problem. Take all the everything that the, everything that the, our website demonstrated c- came in from Shabbos purchases for you. I'll take everything from Sunday. You can't do that because then it looks like you're actually, um, so to speak, um, uh, selling the guy the uh, the Shabbos um, Shabbos um, uh, work. Um, or you or so you're you're. you're so it looks like the guy. It looks like the yid is paying the guy to work on Shabbos, and he's paying him by working on Sunday uh, or a different day of the week. So that's why it's a problem when you to make such a deal when you come to split the money. But if you make it at the outset, then it's not a problem. The um, and the the guy does not. Uh, Give the uh, uh, give the yid anything extra 
the comment said the fact he's taking the, the, the prophet of Shabbos for himself. Unless they made the deal at the outset that way, in which case it's okay. If they, if they uh, both uh, uh, take a field in agreement to work for it together, farm the land, split the produce, the same principle applies. They have to make a deal at the outset before they start. That Shabbos's work corresponds to uh, the, the guy gets, you know, the, the benefit of whatever work is done on Shabbos, whatever oranges are picked on Shabbos, for example, and uh, the guy gets whatever was picked uh, on Sunday, or, or, or different day of the week, and the rest is divided evenly. Uh, but if, not, if that wasn't done at the outset, then they cannot do that. The guy gets everything from Shabbos, and the rest is split evenly. Yudches. You know, yes, no, if they didn't make this condition in the beginning, and they come to divide the profits, but they don't know exactly how much money they made on Shabbos. They just have all the money. They don't know, but they didn't keep track. You know, it seems, uh, the Rambam says, it seems to me, the guy should take one-seventh of the profits, so it's $7,000, takes 1000 those 6000 they split evenly, 3000 apiece, so the guy gets 4000 he gets 3000 And a yid gives a guy money. He says, here, go invest this, and you know, return the profits, and we'll split it. Even the guy is going to take this money and go to Wall Street on Shabbos. Then you can still divide the money evenly. This is a matter which has agreed upon by all of the Go'inim, meaning all of the post Gemara era Chachamim, uh, which we would call the Go'inim and Rishonim. Okay, Yutas. In the times of the Rambam, they weren't called Rishonim yet. <laughs> they, came, they came called Rishonim later. Yutas. A person should not give a Gentile craftsman, a professional, um, Kalim, vessel, so to speak, or uh, to, to, to make them or to fix them, even though he agreed with the price before Shabbos starts. Provided he leaves his house before Shabbos starts. So if the Gentile cleaners comes to pick up your clothes, take it to the cleaners on Friday afternoon, you have to make sure they take all the clothing out of your house before and put it in the livery car before Shabbos, before, before Shabbos starts. A person should not sell his items to a guy or lend it to him. Nor should he, uh, um, means to, 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 to lend the item, or Yalveno means to lend money, or to um, give him a collateral an item as collateral unless he has time to leave his house with the item in hand before Shabbos begins. Um, because as long as the guy is in his house, no one knows when you gave it to him. Did you give it to him before Shabbos started or after Shabbos started? When the guy exits the house, after Shabbos has commenced, Chavit is all with a Jewish, Jewish, let's say the Jewish suit or shirts in his hand to take to the cleaners. It looks like you lent it to him or, or gave him the collateral or uh, or agreed to make the, 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 the item or to sell the item to him or sold it to him on Shabbos. So, um, so in all these cases, my case was you hire the guy to do an activity, like to do a, 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 a job, let's say, like cleaning, but the same thing would be if a guy comes to your house. To buy up uh, a used item, yeah, it comes on Craigslist. Craigslist to buy a, a a workout machine or something. He has to leave your house with the item before Shabbos starts. Chaf, a person who gives a letter to a guy to take it to a different city, 
a messenger, if he says to him, here's the money, or, this is, or, or he, even, he, he agreed, they give it to him, but the point is he agreed with it on a final price for this job of carrying this letter from point A to point B. Uh, in that case, it is permitted, even though even though he gave it to him Friday, close to Shabbos starts. So you know for sure he's going to give it. To, he's going to end up traveling with the letter on Shabbos. Same thing would apply if you gave it to him on Sunday, and uh, it takes a full week to get there. So you know either way, you know for sure he's going to use it on Shabbos. But the fact is, it's okay because you already agreed with the price before he left. And then, and then the guy is just going on Shabbos for his own benefit to get the money he wants. He's not working for you per se on Shabbos. Yeah. Again, provided he leaves your house before Shabbos starts. If you did not make a... So, so it would seem, from based on this, that uh, if you hire a personal messenger... Well, we'll see actually how this applies to contemporary post office soon. Okay. If he does not make a specific price... If there's a known person that that city, that district... Who receives all the letters that people sent to that area of Ishlech, Then he, um, so this guy is bringing it to the to this post office in your local post office, and then that guy at the post office sends letters to every other all the other cities. With the, with with the messengers, you may give the guy the Igeres, uh, um, even though it's back Again, okay. So provide that is enough time for. For the messenger to bring it to the uh, farthest edge of the city in which you live before Shabbos begins. So, um, since when you give it to the guy before Shabbos starts, there's the, the, regardless of where the post office is located, and I'm talking about the case over here where the guy apparently and the Yid both don't know the exact location of the post office, uh, this individual whose job is to collect all the letters and send them off to the other countries. So since you gave it to him before Shabbos, and he has time to reach that place, wherever the post office, local post office is before Shabbos, because regardless of how far it is, you know it's closer than, there's enough time to even reach the, others, the, 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 the diametrically opposite side of the city. So therefore, it's okay. So because we're maybe the person who the, who takes all the local letters and sends them off to the uh, other 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 places is close to the wall and it was the furthest place from it's it's the edge of the city the farthest possible place from where the uh, Jewish person's house is. If there's no designated person for this purpose, everyone just sends letters to private messengers. No post office. No po- no postage. Uh, there's no. Um, um, Postal service in that country. The guy who you give the letter to, who he travels himself personally to a different city. You're not allowed to give that person a letter to carry for you on Shabbos, unless you establish a price for him. So, contemporary post office, side, there's always a price established beforehand, generally speaking. Um, and side, there's a specific person whose job is to. Uh, to Send it to those other places. So it's certainly okay to give a, a postman a letter to take, or to to, put, to give him a, give him a letter to take to the give the postman a letter before Shabbos starts. Uh, leaving a letter in your post office in your mailbox for the postman to pick up and take on Shabbos is a different story. I'm not sure about that. All right, halacha chaf aleph. A guy brings his items on Shabbos. And he brings them into a Jewish person's house. So a guy comes on Shabbos, he tells a Jewish person, here, listen, I have this uh, this uh, this backpack, I need to leave it here, I'll be back later. 
that's okay. Even though the Yid tells him, put it, the Yid tells specifically, put it here in this corner, so he's kind of verbally agreeing, that's still uh, okay. Because again, the guy is putting it there, you're just giving instructions where to put it. Um, and again, the, the guy is doing it for his own interest. Um, and then you could you could tell a guy to do malacha for himself on Shabbos. It's not a problem. And you're allowed to invite a guy on Shabbos to eat with you and place food in front of him. And the guy takes the food and he leaves. He's carrying. It's not a problem. Because we don't have an obligation to make sure he rests. He's not carrying the food for you. He's carrying the food for him. You're allowed to put food in front of your pet, a dog. Any other animal for that matter, probably. In a courtyard, and the animal takes him and goes out with him, and it's not, it's not a problem. Because again, even though you, you can't let your animal do malacha for you, if the animal does malacha for itself, so to speak, by carrying the food it wants to eat somewhere else, that is okay. And again, we're talking over here about even a case where the animal is your animal. Um, now, if the animal does not belong to you, there's a whole shadow about giving it food b'chlau. Which is why now you're not allowed to throw f- uh, fish, uh, t- bread to the fish on on a tashlich. All right, halachah of base. Misha Yibabadarech, someone who arrived close to Shabbos, and before he actually arrived home, Shabbos started. And the point is that he's traveling, and and Shabbos starts, and he had money with him. What should he do? He's allowed to give his. Uh, wallet to a guy to carry it for him and watch Shabbos and after Shabbos ends he could take take it from the guy so even though you tongue the guy specifically to carry the carry it for you on Shabbos in other words you now allowed to travel actually more than 2,000 Amas on Shabbos but even those 2,000 Amas could be in a public domain and, you're, and the guy is carrying for you on Shabbos even though you're not paying the guy to do it so the guy is mamish doing for you as your agent why is that okay? even though you gave it to him after Shabbos it's, it's all permitted this is very unique. A person is obsessed with his money. A person is not going to be agreed to throw his money away. He worked hard for his money. It's in his possession. And to just now take money in his possession and and uh, dismiss it is, is too difficult for a person. If you're not going to permit the person to do this, rabbinic prohibition, which is rabbinically prohibited, he's going to end up, if he can't do that, he's going to end up just carrying it by himself. He's going to transgress the biblical prohibition of carrying on Shabbos. So... This is a unique case where not always do you see the Chazal do this, but sometimes this does happen where if you don't give the person an outlet to be able to transgress this this prohibition in a rabbinic fashion, he's just going to transgress in a, in a biblical fashion. Therefore, they 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 made a permitted manner to have him do it by transgressing, so to speak, a rabbinic prohibition. It's not transgression in this case because it's permitted because of the circumstances, but what would otherwise be a rabbinic prohibition to save the person from a isidar isa. Medva, money was supplied by say his own money, which he already owns. If he finds something, it's not his possession, but on Shabbos, he finds a wallet. So then that's different. He cannot give it to the non-Jew. What he can do is carry it uh, less than four hours at a time um, until he reaches a place where he can, you know, he can put it safely. Um, so again, there's issue of books over here, but but uh, by carrying less than four hours, less than four hours at a time, that is um, uh, also a rabbinic prohibition. So that's what we permit the person to do. Uh, uh, so you shouldn't. Um, otherwise, if we if we can't if we, if we don't let him do that, he's going to end up um, carrying it on Shabbos in a biblical fashion. So interesting in this in this case, it's we consider it preferable. 
to have the per- not to have the person ask the guy to, to carry it, but rather to have the person do it himself in a isdirabanan. Having the guy do it for you and carrying it, and, but carrying it less than uh, three amas and stopping, and then carrying three amas and stopping, but are both rabbinic prohibitions. Interestingly enough, we we uh, um, there's less leniency. So if you feel the need and you can't uh, contain yourself, we don't want to give you the we don't want to give you just to give you the leeway to have the guy carry it for you because that uh, may make the Shabbos a joke for you. As is normally the reason why you can't uh, ask a guy to malacha for you. Okay, halacha chagimol. Yisrael shalos malacha b'Shabbos. A yid who does a malacha on Shabbos. Im avav asim b'zadin. If a yid did it on purpose, as lehenas malacha meis malacha b'zadin. He's never allowed to benefit from that malacha forever. Show you some little lehem lehenas b'mat b'Shabbos miyad. Another Jewish person may benefit from it after Shabbos ends immediately. He doesn't have to wait at all. Shneimer says, "Shmat Shabbos kodesh to guard the Shabbos because it's holy." He kodesh v'masel kodesh. It is holy. But but it's not but its behavior, so to speak, are not holy. Um, therefore, it does not like anything that's done is is, is eternally uh, holy and, and and prohibited, you know, and, and sacred, um, sanctified. Kate, for example, you saw Bishop Shabbos made a Jewish person cooks on Shabbos on purpose. The Shabbos after Shabbos ends, may be eaten. The food may be eaten by other people. But for him, the individual who did the, who did the cooking, he may never eat this food, right? Or if he picks apples, he he may never eat those apples. Someone else may eat them. If he did, if he if he if he cooked uh, unintentionally, then that case he and others may benefit from it immediately. Same thing applies in all these scenarios. Fruit or produce that left the outer limits of where you may travel to on Shabbos. So of course now they're out of reach. Because when they came back into the Tchum on Shabbos, B'shoigif was done unintentionally, Yochlo B'shabbos, you may eat them on Shabbos. Shalei Nasim B'gufa, not Maiseh, because this prohibition that was done with them, carrying them outside the limits of the city, in which case they are not available, uh, so the prohibition was done with them, by taking them, uh, traveling with them outside the uh, outside the Tchum, outside the outer limits of where you may travel, then, for technical purposes, we have to add that they were brought back inside, which is why you can now access them again. You may eat them on Shabbos because nothing specific was done to them. They didn't change. All, the, all that changed was, was their location. Therefore, we not, it's not considered like you're having a major benefit from the fruit per se. You're just benefiting from the, the fruit being in the right place at the right time for you, as far as you're concerned. The amazing, if it was done on purpose, the person carried them on purpose and carried them back in on purpose, they may not be eaten until after Shabbos ends. Um, okay, a person hires a worker to guard a animal for him or to watch a child. Right? A babysitter, you hire a babysitter for Shabbos. Don't give him the schar for Shabbos. You hire a babysitter for the week, so you don't pay him for Shabbos. He doesn't have the obligation of, of watching. Uh, um, as a paid worker. He, also, he has the obligation of an unpaid worker. If the the wage was done by, a, you, pay, you pay him for the week, I'm paying you uh, $700 a week, that's fine. Or uh, this amount of money for the year, that's fine. So then you pay him in full. He does have the obligation to watch it on Shabbos. He may not say to his employer, don't pay me for Shabbos. Give me the, the, the wage for the year or for 10 days. So you hire a person for, to babysit uh, for a week, that's fine. 
uh, this is for the reason, for example, a person hires somebody to do work for him uh, on Shabbos, let's say um, to a waiter by a Kiddush, so you don't hire, you pay him for the Shabbos work per se, you pay him for cleaning up after Shabbos, but, and, and, and for the cleaning up after Shabbos, you calculate the entire thing of the whole, uh, the whole hour, all these hours of work, uh, to you bunch it up together with the hours of Matzah Shabbos, and then you're not paying him a Shabbos per se.